Get ready. It's time for Motorsports Madness, powered by the staff at Race Chaser Online. Your motorsports, your way, every day. And now, here's your host, Jacob Seelman. That means I get to talk now, which is good. It also means I get to say howdy to all you fine folks out there that are listening to us live on the Performance Motorsports Network and or Spreaker. Well, I guess I'm not sure why you'd be listening to us on both because two of me and two of any of the rest of these fools is just bad news. Anyway, this is Motorsports Madness. We're going to be crazy for the next two hours. And if you want to hear about all things racing, you've come to the right place. I'm Jacob Seelman, joined in the Race Chaser studios here in Race City, USA, Mooresville, North Carolina, by both Tom Baker and Chris Murdoch, and via the Race Chaser Skype line by Cisco Scaramuza. And we are going to start things off with my favorite two words of the day. Breaking news. See, Tom? We need a sound clip. We didn't even get a full 60 seconds into this show and I got to do my voice. That means it is going to be a good night. What, so, What are you doing when you're not doing your voice? Isn't that your voice now that you're doing? No, no, no. Oh. I mean the breaking news oh, voice. I see. Okay. That voice. It wasn't even a full minute into the show. That means we're on a roll. It also means that we have things to talk about. And Tom, the internet broke about two hours ago when Reuters, i.e. that that place that Louis Frank writes for, broke the news that according to multiple unnamed sources, also known as your uh, most hated source of news, that... The France family is exploring a sale, yes, you heard me correctly, a sale of their stake in NASCAR. <clears throat> yes, that is true. And that also means that if the France family sells their stake in NASCAR, depending on who buys it, this changes everything. Literally. In motorsports in the U.S. because they also own IMSA and they just bought ARCA. So pretty much that's everything in stock car racing in in this country with the exception of a couple of short track sanctioning bodies. But, you know, again, we we don't want to overreact to this because... All it is is an unnamed source, however... Multiple unnamed sources, yeah, let's get well, it right. It, it, multiple three. is the same as one, in my opinion. No, they, um, said, they said three individual sources I in the print. I don't care what they said. It's an unnamed source. So it's one, it, it's 20, it's still somebody who refuses to be identified, which means that it, it's totally unreliable except that it's probably not and it probably means in my book that nascar already has at least a potential suitor in mind because this doesn't just fall off of a turnip truck you don't wake up one morning and just make a phone call to goldman sachs about selling your stake in the biggest sanctioning body in the United States of America for motorsports, if you're just exploring. There's something more to this than what that particular report said. Now, I'm not saying that it's on its way to being sold. I'm simply saying that there has been some sort of conversation, some sort of contact 
between somebody and NAS and and the France family with some sort of interest in buying the sport. What's interesting about this for me, guys, is that in this particular time frame, here we are coming to the well final year of the monster energy agreement which then got renewed for one more year into 19 but we're losing the cup series title sponsor as of 19 and we've got a tv deal coming up in a few years that you almost know again depending on who the buyer would be you almost know that tv deal is going to be worth far less money than what it is now so in this circumstance, I would argue that the buyer would have a lot more leverage in terms of negotiation than the France family does. So it's it's really kind of interesting. And then the question becomes, would this include ISC or ISC and SMI? Um, you know, there's just there's a there there are a lot of ways that this could go. And some of them are really good and some of them are not. It, it all depends on how this uh, would play itself out, Cisco. And I mean, we're talking about one of the big three when it comes to American motorsports right now between the National Association of Stock Car Auto Racing, NASCAR as a whole, which owns IMSA, NASCAR Home Tracks, now ARCA, all of that. The only other two companies that could maybe rival NASCAR, and NASCAR is still a bigger group, would be IndyCar, owned by the Holmans, obviously, and then the National Hot Rod Association. Well, that's it. Yeah, neither of those. And then, are like even some close. regional, and like you said, regional series like the Cars Tour, you know, CRA Pass, you know, stuff like that. Yep. But apart from that, this is this is massive. And like you said, whoever's gonna, whoever that suitor might be, whoever ends up owning it, you know, yes, all the TV deal stuff aside, everything uh, as opposed with the top series, you also have to consider that this affects home tracks. This affects the All-American Series. Yep. This affects everything ARCA-related. This affects the Wheel and Modified Series, Peak Mexico, the Pinties Series, the Euro Series. Everything. Yes. Everything. Yeah. And here's the problem with this. This, this story breaking immediately affects everything. Whether anything has gone forward or not, if I'm a sponsor and I'm being courted for any of the things that you just mentioned, Cisco, any of the series, any of the, the pieces of NASCAR that you just mentioned, I'm being courted, I'm reluctant at this point because I have no clue where this is going. You know, So I don't know that this does NASCAR or any piece of NASCAR any favors because from a marketing value standpoint, the France family did not deny the validity of the story. They just said they had nothing to add. This tells us, as I said earlier, there's something more to this than we know. And if this sort of drags on a while, this could definitely affect the next couple of years in the sport. Next, more breaking news. Courtesy of our friends at the Sports Business Journal, Something, and I'll brag about it, because I heard about this coming down the pike the other day, and nobody seemed to believe that I could possibly have people that knew this was coming. However, 
Adam Stern tweets just before we're going on air. Marcus Lemonis will announce tomorrow, Tom, that Gander is going to become the title sponsor of the Truck Series starting in 2019 in a brand swap with Camping World and that Marcus Lemonis has a cup car sponsorship coming soon. I've heard Matt Kenseth 2019. (laughs) Well, there you have it. So... Now we know that the Truck Series gets a new sponsor because, well... Not necessarily new. He just can. A, yeah, just well, a, a new sponsor. So it, it's, it's the same guy, just so a different... The, the Gander Outdoors Truck Series now? Is that what, is that what it's going to be? I don't know that, that for 100%, but that's what it looks like, yes, is and, the Gander. And if what you hear is true, then that will be the demise of Trevor Bain at Roush. Which Jordan Bianchi said when the whole Matt Kenseth coming back thing first broke, that Trevor Bain was being, and I quote, Cisco phased out at Roush Fenway, end quote. Yeah, why not? Yeah. I mean, you know, don't don't give him a chance to drive the improved equipment that Matt Kenseth will turn it into. Let's just dump him after he's put in a number of good years busting his butt in absolute junk that sucked. We're going we're gonna to just basically tell him to get lost and bring back Matt Kenseth. It's really kind of unfortunate, but that, again, it's a business, and, you know, life's not always fair. And this, there is nothing in this situation that is anything uh, in terms of Trevor Bain's involvement in it. There is nothing about this situation that is, is fair in my book. Um, but, again, it is what it is. Murdoch, yeah. you're very quiet over there. What say you? Well, you know, on the whole France thing, I mean, yeah, it changes a whole lot. There's there's not much to add. NASCAR didn't have anything. On the Kinza thing, I kind of saw it coming. I mean, I was talking to a few friends last week who were all talking about the, the Matt Kinza deal, and they said that if it has to be a big deal. To get Kinza to come back, we know it had to be something – substantial to get him to to sign a contract so for for that to happen and then you know the the sponsor swap with the truck series the stars are just aligning right now to like tom said phase out trevor bain trevor bain's contract is up uh at the end of the the year and you know they're bringing in matt kenseth i feel i feel bad for him but if everything that we're talking about is true I hate to say it, but it happens in this business. It's just business. Yeah, it definitely is. And what, what what's interesting is that for the longest time, Roush couldn't find a sponsor to save their butt. Now, all of a sudden, it seems like sponsors are flocking over there. I guess it, Matt Kenseth has made all the difference now that he's coming out of retirement here. So, Well, not just Matt Kenseth. All of Ricky Stenhouse's sponsors renewed yeah. before Matt Kenseth coming back was ever even a thought in anybody's mind. Well, yeah, but I mean, that that car was performing well. Now, what's going to be interesting is to see, you know, unfortunately, it, it, it again, Trevor Bain can't win at this point because if Matt Kenseth goes to Kansas and runs well in the car and, and contends or whatever, then Trevor Bain is a lame duck. And if Matt Kenseth doesn't run well, Trevor Bain's out at the end of the year anyway. And he, now he's only got X amount of races left. And so he's not even going to be able to really audition for anything else at this point, because if the car turns out to be the issue and it's really the car's performance, that team's performance, they're not going to be able to escalate it 
before the end of the year or at least before late in the year. So it's just unfortunate the way it went down for Trevor. I think he really got honestly has been treated very unfairly there. Well, if you think about, you know, it being a car point or a, 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 a you know, a performance point. They switch bodies next year, so they could they could try a whole bunch of different changes in the off season. Well, yeah, that's true. Unfortunately, you know, at this point, it's obvious that Trevor will never see the fruit of any of that. So, but you know, again, it is a business. I just hate to see a driver get if if that's if they knew they were going to do this. To me, the right thing to do would have been just to simply release Trevor and and get him out from under the situation because. There is no way at this point that he looks good. He just looks like a lame duck for the rest of the year, and and that's he's really handled this like the champion that he is. But you know he's got to be seething on the inside. All right, we're going to step aside. When we return, I'm going to circle back and we'll talk about the Monster Mile and well, the Blue Ovals continuing to do dominant sort of things. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and trust me, we're just getting started here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444, Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Green light. Hey, girl. School zone. I'm getting hungry. Car changing lanes. You want to meet me for pizza? Stop sign. Intersection clear. Yeah, street. Pizza sounds good. Ball in street? Girl in street! (gasps) It's hard to concentrate on two things at once, like texting and driving. Stop the text. Stop the wrecks. How will you stop texting and driving? Tell us at stoptextstoprex.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Here's an important message from Rad and this station. Hi, this is Bob Sheehan from Blues Traveler for Rad, recording artists against drunk driving. I like to party just as much as the next guy, maybe even more. But the one thing I won't do after I've had a few is get in the car and drive. Don't blow it. Always choose a designated driver. Remember, music lives and so should you. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today, 302-827-2054. 
Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. I'm Kaz Grawlin, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the madness. I actually didn't get to the far side of the garage earlier today, but notably that was one of the few cars that I don't know that I ever saw make laps on track at Charlotte today, Tom. That was actually kind of a bummer. I was hoping that uh, we might have seen Kaz, but no dice. No dice. Um it's uh, interesting, Chris, that uh, we didn't see Kaz make any laps. But on the flip side of that, one driver I was excited to see back on the track again, albeit in uh, not-so-great circumstances at the moment, was Brennan Poole. He's been out of a ride since the, the last season, and to see him back in the 23 GMS racing machine was good to see him turning laps at Charlotte. He seemed positive. Absolutely, and uh, I I wish that GMS would have opened him up to be able to talk to the media for a little bit today because I would have loved to gotten Brennan's thoughts on coming back to an Xfinity car now about five months removed from a tough ending to his time at Chip Ganassi Racing, but we'll have to wait and see, perhaps going to see him at Charlotte in a couple weeks, GMS has not made a definitive decision on who will drive the 23 car in two weeks. But uh, I thought it was very telling, at least in my mind, that the suit that Brennan was in today not only was a GMS suit, but had his name on it. So he, They had his name on the car. And, well, I, on... I knew his name was on the car. His but... name, I mean, they've... They had everything decked out as if, whether it's Charlotte or not, he's going to drive the car at some point. I agree. I hope so. It would be it good. It makes to sense. Say. It does. It why would does. you? Why would you make Solder pull double duty every every time they go out when you could just have Brennan fill in the spot for the time being? Exactly. And Brennan has much more recent experience in an Xfinity car, though Johnny did an impressive job at Dover over the weekend. And uh, let's talk about all that uh, that was in the triple header for a couple of minutes, Tom. I will start from the top down because Sunday, arguably the easiest of the three races to discuss. Quite simply, I'll use an analogy that Brad Keselowski brought up from last November at Homestead. He was worried the Fords were going to take a drubbing going into this year. Instead, through 11 races, the Fords have become experts at giving said drubbing to the rest of the field. They let all but 26 laps shut Toyota out for the first time since March of 2017 at Atlanta, and Kevin Harvick clean-swept and other than a brief rainstorm and a few laps where Clint Boyer was in front, in large part, it wasn't even close. Well, I mean, if I don't want to make this into a Ford drubbing in terms of the season, it's been Stuart Haas drubbing for the most part. You had uh, Joey Logano obviously got the win uh, a couple weeks ago. But, I mean, 
it wasn't as if he was totally dominant in doing that. The honest truth here is that Stuart Haas racing is what's given Ford their edge for the most part this year. Penske's been close. The Wood brothers have been reasonable and Roush has somewhat looked good in moments of time, but for the most part, Chris, let's be honest here. This has been a Stuart Haas year so far, and I don't see that slowing down anytime soon. I mean, the race yesterday was really only good because you had Clint Boyer and Kevin Harvick going at it for a little while, and then Harvick just pulled away and it became a snoozer. Can we just say that Kevin Harvick's another one of the drivers besides Martin Truex Jr. that's finally pulled off the sweep? Stage one, stage yeah. two, and stage three. Well, it wasn't the first time this season he had done it. It's actually the second time in 2018 that Kevin Harvick has clean swept yeah. a race. And I know you were talking about how Ford and Kevin shut out Toyota, but on Toyota's side, can we just talk about how impressive Daniel Suarez was at Dover? Absolutely. Third Car- place. Yes, yeah. career best finish, Cisco, on an oval. He likes concrete tracks. He didn't get the finish he deserved at Bristol, but had a great run there. And let's keep in mind, he's got a hand that's still healing from an injury a couple of races ago. This kid, though I admittedly had my doubts at first, he has come on strong this year. Well, yeah, he's actually, I think he's looked better than Eric Jones for the most part. And I am a little surprised by that myself, but pleased to see it. Because Daniel really, really wanted to be in Cup, and he really wanted to make a living from this, and he's wanted to for a while. And I think it's great to see someone come from outside the U.S. and make a mark in NASCAR the way he has and assimilate into NASCAR the way he has. He's good with the fans, and he's listened very well to the teammates he has around him and others who have tried to help him. So... I think it's great that he's running as well as he is. Truex looked good for a little while, but other than that, Toyota really didn't have a huge presence. Kyle Busch had a terrible day. Uh, Hamlin was okay, not great. Jones was basically not even close. And, you know, so it really wasn't a, a banner day for Toyota at all. No, it wasn't. Now, let's try this again, Cisco, since Tom completely took up where I wanted you to go with all of this. We'll just go somewhere else. On the Xfinity side, this was our last dash for cash race on Saturday, and please, let's give applause for what turned into a tremendous finish and almost broke the cardinal rule of teammates. Don't wreck each other. Well, you say that, and yet we had two mates who nearly wrecked each other at Richmond. So, I mean, I, I think that rule, you know, has, hasn't been effective, especially if you're going for a race win for a while, but absolutely. And I I got to give a call, of course, to, to my boy, Justin Allgaier. Just great run. Just awesome, awesome, awesome job. And for Sadler to come in second as well, Jacob, I mean, I haven't heard a whole lot from Elliot Sadler this year. Like, not as much as I'm used to seeing. Well, I mean, he's not been worse than ninth all year. I know, but he's been, like, he's he's having, like, the, this Jimmy Johnson stretch of Jimmy running ninth and tenth, and I expect more out of Elliot but, at this point. But Elliot's been second, like, three or four times already this year. It's not yes, like he's not I know, been contending. But... I don't know where... 
Why? Why? I I think Elliott's having a great year so far. I Elliot's mean, he's having, having a, a career year, but... year. What are you talking about? Okay. And he told us, right. Chris Murdoch, at the test earlier today, he is having the time of his life at JRM, and I love it. All yeah, right, then he's then loving it. He's I, having I, a great. I, I think I'm shooting too high of the moon at this point. I don't know. Yeah, well, you guess, are. Cisco. Yeah, because I, he may have had a couple bad races, but for the most part. But I want to go back and talk about his teammate because if we go back to Dover, like you said, Jacob, coming off a of turn four almost wrecking each other off of turn four. And Allgaier says today in the pre, uh, the media center at Charlotte, I think these dash for cash races have been the calmest races of the season. Shockingly. <laughs> We're like, what do you, th- you almost wrecked yourself off your teammate and, and they're calm compared to what he's used to this season. A little bit. Now, we'll welcome Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens in on this and say, hi, Steve-o, uh, be- better late than never to the party, right? So I, I-, I want you to talk about the uh, the guy who did double duty pretty proudly by not only winning the Camping World Truck Race on Friday, but then coming in, as we mentioned a minute ago, a strong sixth in the Xfinity Race on Saturday. Pretty banner weekend for Johnny Sauter, wouldn't you say? It was, and and obviously we're used to him being a a truck series guy. He's a truck series champion. Uh, But, you know, with him getting this opportunity in the Xfinity series, it just makes me wonder, you know, what if we saw Johnny Sauter on a more consistent basis full-time in 2019? I mean, that's, that's the thought that came up in my mind after seeing him finished sixth this weekend in what is, let's face it, guys, not an easy situation. No. It it had to be a little bit of a pressure situation for him. He did well, though. He did very well managing that. Now, I want to go around the table because in uh, the part of that truck series finish on Friday at Dover, there was, uh, shall we say, a little bit of a skirmish in the closing laps between Johnny Sauter and Noah Gregson. So... We'll go around the table, Tom, Chris, Cisco, and then Steve in that order. Your thoughts on how that battle ended and whose side you're on, whether you approve of of either side, not all that good stuff. I have mixed emotions because Noah was clearly being over-aggressive, but he owned it. So as far as I'm concerned, I guess if you're asking me my thoughts, if I'm going to pick somebody to assign as the blame, then it would be Noah. But like you said, he owned it. I give him credit for saying it was my fault and I I don't race that way. He just got a little over aggressive. If that young man can find his sweet spot and, and no when to dial it back just a little bit and and how to to time passes a little bit better i think that kid is going to be a superstar and he's got the talent for it so i don't have any negative emotion about it i think it's unfortunate it happened because i think noah surely obviously would have been second if not first and you know he just um just made a mistake it's not like johnny has done it all right i'll kind of restate to make this slightly more clear for the other three Uh, is it refreshing then to see a battle like what we saw at the end of the race and do you approve of the fact that Noah went out and owned it 
Well, yeah, I approve that he owned it because it's no secret to all of us. We know that when the tracks get shorter, the tempers get shorter and the aggression ramps up. So when you're sitting behind that in that position, you want to be aggressive. You want to get that short track win. So I, I respect that he owned it, and I think that makes up for a little bit of itself. You know, you're being over aggressive. You know you're in over it. But if you go out and say, I gave my best, you can't say I didn't try. That's right. So I, I agree. I mean, he – I mean – I'll assign the blame to Noah because, like he said, he owned it, but it's short track racing, guys. Cisco. He didn't hide in the car, did he? No, he did not. So I'm just saying that puts a lot of stake in my book that he went out and owned up to it and had a very classy interview after the fact. So Gregson did a very good job and earned some stock in my book for just, you know, owning up to him being aggressive. That's how you drive at short track racing. And, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's a huge deal that he didn't, you know, run away or, you know, didn't kind of hide or say, oh, well, you know, it was a racing deal and kind of, you know, push it aside. He said, no, I was being aggressive. Why? Because it's Dover that you you have to be aggressive there. Steve. I'm going to just make a quick dirt reference to this. Um, we recently had a race with the Short Track Super Series where one driver, Danny Creedon, who, you know, over the years has not had the best reputation for clean driving, uh, got into a car and essentially, because of the layout of the track, put another car in a light pole. And, you know, did he go over and say, did he did he own it? Did he go over and say, hey, man, uh, you know, obviously I didn't mean that for that to happen. He didn't do that. And, and that's why I, I, I tip my cap to Noah Gregson for owning it, because I think that so often that we see – uh, driving these days, no matter if it's on pavement or on dirt, where you know guys are are not willing to own up to even if it's a mistake. I mean, I grew up in this sport where if you dumped a guy, you went over and said something. Yeah, he might be pissed about it, but own it. Take take responsibility for it. In the end, people will respect you more for doing so. They might be upset at the time but they will respect you in the end. And if they don't, then, hey, what can you do? All I've got to add to this is uh, I thought the end of that race and Noah's subsequent interview, shades of his boss, Kyle Busch, from when Kyle was back in that age. And uh, that's all I'll mention on that, and we'll get back to more Dover conversation a little later. Right now, we're going to step away to a break, and on the other side, we have Open Wheel and our good friend Joel Sebastianelli back with us. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We are live on Spreaker and on the Performance Motorsports Network. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels new to intermediate to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com, or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. 
HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schrope Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. What an awesome game. What's up with your car? I don't know. It won't start. How are we getting home? Chill. My parents signed me up for the roadside assistance from Lewis Meineke. It was free with my oil change. They'd come and get the car started or get us home and tow the car to the shop. Good to know. With my driving, my parents never know what to expect. When you join the Meineke Car Care Club with a $35 preferred service, you get four free months of roadside assistance, including tire change, battery jump, lockout service, towing, and more. Contact Lewis Meineke, located on Route 1, or call 827-2054. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. COPD, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, is a lung disease that robs people of their ability to breathe. As many as 24 million Americans suffer from COPD, also known as chronic bronchitis or emphysema, and half of them don't know they have the disease. If you or someone you love is over 35 and has smoked more than 100 cigarettes in their lifetime, visit driveforcopd.org and take the screener, then take that to your doctor. I'm Jeff Stoltz, and I drive for COPD. Let's throw the green for Open Wheel Central on Motorsports Madness. Now back to the roundtable and Jacob Seelman. Ouch, if our last break was any indication and the jabbering that went on in between that, this is going to get a little rowdy, which, well, tends to happen when we bring this guy on. And uh, we move into our open wheel conversation, and it is full swing the month of May, and we get to bring back for another segment WJHG Sports Anchor and our friend Joel Sebastianelli to talk about all things IndyCar. And Joel, as much as I'm excited to have you back, I uh, unfortunately... Unfortunately, I'm starting with the bad news out of these next two segments because as happy as we are that it is the month of May, we're all bummed at the fact that after a huge shunt in qualifying for the World Endurance Championship at Spa over this past weekend, Pietro Fittipaldi with fractures to both legs and unfortunately he will have to miss out on all of the month of May activities with Dale Coyne Racing. He was scheduled to run in both the Grand Prix and the Indianapolis 500. Both of those with an eight-week recovery time uh, now unfortunately dashed for the young Brazilian. I hate this. I hate it a lot. Yeah, I really do. I think everybody does. Uh, first of all, I 
hate it for him. This is such an exciting opportunity for him to come run this race for the first time in his life. This is what you dream about as a driver at any age. So to not be able to run the Indianapolis 500 that, this year after it was shaping up to be that way, the return of the Fittipaldi name, uh, really terrible for him, terrible for fans, and it's terrible for Dale Coyne. Too. Uh, we just talked last week about how there's nobody in the IndyCar paddock save for Roger Penske who pours as much of his own money into running his team as Dale Coyne does. And it just seems like these last few years, he can't catch a break. He's been needing to pile more and more money into IndyCar for things that are out of his control. Crashes, uh, freak accidents, stuff like this. Uh, stuff that aren't even happening in Dale's cars. So it's unfortunate, but... Um, it's going to be interesting to see who takes that 19 seat. We have so many talented drivers in the field already, but a few familiar names are in contention for the 19. Yes, they are, and one that has quickly, Tom, come to mind in a hurry is uh, one name that has been at the Indianapolis 500 before, uh, Sebastian Saavedra and the possibility of his AFS racing funding there with Gary Peterson uh, could be a leading candidate to fill that car. I know Dale Coyne is very high on Tristan Vaudier, unfortunately, a potential lack of funding could be what hurts somebody like Vaudier or even somebody, Tom, with as much Indy 500 experience as Ryan Briscoe, who would be a potential option should he be allowed to pursue it by Chip Ganassi and be relieved of, uh, of his on the sports car side of things. There's obviously not a conflict for the Indy 500, but you, know, you always have to uh, seek permission from your primary employer. This is just a bad situation all around. Like I said it sucks yeah it really does i mean i feel bad for pietra i've known him for a while and just a super super kid very quality young man who was just so excited to be able to come and do this and you know it's it's racing and it happens and it's a shame you know when you when you're multitasking as you know he was doing running the the six hour and you know you're running in different divisions i mean stuff can happen and that's it's a shame but i like the idea of Saavedra. i think Saavedra would be a great choice certainly i uh would be in favor of vodier as well because tristan has shown obviously that he can run well briscoe i hadn't thought of but um is Oral Serbia, is he in the car? Did, is, yeah, he's in the third Ray That's car. right, he's driving for Ray Hall. Yeah, and see, he would be the other one I would have thought of. That's the other thing, Joel, that makes this so much tougher is because with what was 35 confirmed entries, there's a lot of guys that would normally be good picks for one-off Indy 500 entries that are already in confirmed rides, which makes this much process much more difficult. Yeah, personally, I would love to see Townsend Bell get another crack at yeah, 500 too. as well. Uh, he's not going to be broadcasting the race itself, so he doesn't have to worry about that NBC conflict yet. It's always seemed like there's been consistency with sponsors with him, where he's been able to bring money from the same people several years in a row. I don't know whether or not that's gone away in the year he hasn't won the 500 or what, or if Dale Coyne's even reaching out to him, but he's somebody I would think about. Uh, Savager does seem to be the leading candidate for this, though, for obvious reasons that you mentioned. Yep. Uh, I, I'm a single guy. I have some friends getting married. Occasionally I get asked the question, oh, you know, why are you single? Why aren't you married? And I'm just holding out for somebody who loves me as much as Gary Peterson loves Sebastian Savager. <laughs> <laughs> it, there's no budgetary bounds 
It has withstood the test of time. Sebastian Saavedra has backing from Gary that most drivers can't even fathom in 2018. And good for him. That's not a knock on Sebastian Saavedra. It's not a knock on Gary. We need more guys like that. So Saavedra has some experience in this race. He is the guy who I would expect to land the seat. But I'm not confident, 100% sure, that it's actually going to be him. There's still plenty of names up in the air. Juan Pablo Montoya is a pipe dream. <laughs> that that won't ever happen. No. Roger Penske <laughs> will make sure that won't ever happen. Yeah, that pipe dream is the perfect phrase for that. And I'm just sitting here thinking, Joel, if that's how if, if that's how picky you're trying to be, I may be officiating your wedding and your 50th birthday on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, quite possibly, but a, a man can dream. Can That's he? right. <laughs> well, it it really is an unfortunate situation, and it puts a little bit of a damper in some ways on the 500 field. But as long as they, as long as Dale, <coughs> pardon me, as long as Dale can replace him with a driver. In my mind, the, the key here is a driver who can go out and run to the front. If you're if you're going to have to take you know, not have Pietro in the car, who's a rookie, who you probably didn't necessarily count on running for the win, and you can go get an experienced veteran like a Saavedra or, you know, even a Vaudier, I think you'd do it, but a lot of it just does depend on funding. It'll be interesting to see if there's a name that maybe we haven't even talked about that comes out of the woodwork here in the next uh, short while. I'm trying to think. There was one other driver who was trying to put something together that's not coming to my mind right offhand, Joel, that had been tossed around as a possibility. And for One Pedrahita? Yes, Pedrahita. That's who it was. Is Davison? Yes, the third A.J. Foyt slash Velarde slash Bird. Uh, There's there's more partners in that team for Indy than good. (laughs) Well, I won't say that I have fingers and toes, but there's five different names in that team this year. Yeah. Uh, Well, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes for Dale Coyne. But like you said, Joel, just rotten luck. Again, nothing he can do about it. It just happened. You know, that's a really coveted seat, though. It wasn't a seat that was open until just now. But outside of Penske, Ganassi, or Andretti, I can't think of any better team to land at. You could argue that given their performance just last year, that that's as coveted as any of those big three seats. At a shot to put the car on pole with Sebastian Bourdais a year ago, uh, if you're talented enough to make that ride work i have to think the coin cars will be running in the top 10 throughout the month of may just like they were again you have a real shot to win that race in the 19th i would say that i would classify that as sneaky good they're sneaky good it's not you don't think about them jake in the way that you think about a penske or ganassi and andretti but those cars can go to the front. There's no question about it. Well, keep in mind, that 19 car is the same car that Ed Jones finished third in the 500 in a yeah. year ago. Yep. So this is absolutely a car that could contend to win this race, Joel. But before we get to the 500, you've got what's coming up this weekend, which is uh, what used to be the Grand Prix of Indianapolis. Now it's the IndyCar Grand Prix. And this race, as you and I have deliberated on over the past couple of days, is one that has been either feast or famine. There are only two drivers who have won this race, and, well, there are only two of the four races that have been any good. So, which 
Pagano or Power is going to win this year. I mean, if you look back at the last four, you say alternating years, okay, it's Pagano's turn to go back on top. It's not that easy, though. No, it's not, but there's no one in IndyCar right now who needs a win more than Simon Pagano. Who would have thought that after four rounds, we would be talking about Simon Pagano sitting in 15th behind Marco Andretti, behind Robert Wickens, behind Zach Beach, behind Takuma Sato, just barely ahead of Spencer Piggott, Gabby Chavez, and Mateus Laced. He's had such a rough season, probably could have won the Long Beach Grand Prix, or at least finished in second. I know Rossi was the class of the weekend there, but he had that incident on the first corner, and just like that, he finishes the race in last. So if Pagano wants any shot of winning this championship, he has to put together a strong month of May. So I'm really interested from this standpoint, especially since he's been so good. I mean, 2014, people forget that some of these Indy Grand Prix have been pretty good. You had Pagano and Hunter Ray in the inaugural edition of this race. Uh, low on fuel, running a conservation run in those final laps with Elio Castroneves charging through the field. You had Graham Rahal, who's been sneaky good in every single one of these. In 2015, almost won the race, had a great run from the back of the field up to second. He's charged from the back to the front a few times in this event. So, hey, for, for what IndyCar gets out of it, man, for it to for everybody to be in Indianapolis, for you to have a built-in fan base that loves the sport already there, the hauler drivers don't have to drive with the transporter from one track to another in the month of May. It's all there, and it brings back the full month of May. So as far as I'm concerned, this is an event I'm interested in, and I hope stays on the calendar for a long time. Now, stop and consider statistically that inaugural Grand Prix, we had 12 lead changes. The next year, we had 11. It's dropped to 7 and 4 the last two years. So I'm hoping for a reversal of that stat, and we go back on the upswing. But Joel, stop and consider... Though Simon Pagano and Will Power have combined to split the four race victories at the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, those are not either of the drivers that have the best average finish at the Grand Prix circuit. So uh, can you, pray tell, name me the driver who has, among the full-timers, the best average finish at this racetrack? Among the full-timers? Wow, that's a really good question. Um... I'll take a stab and say that it's Graham Ray Hall if it's not either of those two, but I don't know. No, you're not. Actually, Graham is just behind Power and Pagano. Actually, this is the guy that I think could upend the uh, swing this year and and change the statistic of Power and Pagano winning every race between them. Ryan Hunter Ray, as a matter of fact, with an average finish of sixth is one of the drivers who has been at his best in this race, though even Hunter Ray is not the driver who has finished in the top 10 in every former IndyCar Grand Prix. That honor belongs to Elio Castroneves, who, Joel, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure if he's running the Grand Prix. They've had Elio in those, po- um, excuse me, not those Pocono cars, Elio in those Penske cars in the past. They do have him in this one as well. So oh, rounds five and six of the season, he is going to be running the full month of May for that team. Good, good, good. Well, in that case, I wouldn't be surprised to see Elio perhaps jump up there as well, considering he's the only driver to be top 10, as I mentioned, Tom, real quickly in every Grand Prix of Indianapolis that we've had to this point. No, that's, uh, that, doesn't, uh, that doesn't work for me. My, my thought here is, 
is I look at a guy out of the Andretti stable that I think could be a real dark horse in this race, and it's because he's a really skilled road course racer here. This track's tough to pass on. Starting position and track position are king. If if Zach Veach qualifies well and can get up front and get out, I could see Zach Veach running for a win on this course. But right now, I am all about Sebastian until somebody proves that they can beat him. And I think I think Bourdais is going to be the guy to be able to come out of the pack here and stop that streak of Penske cars. If Sebastian Bourdais wins the Grand Prix this weekend, look out yes. for the rest of the yes. month. We're yep. going to step aside. When we return, we'll continue our open-wheel conversation with Joel Sebastianelli and a whole lot more. You're listening to Motorsports Madness live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. We'll be right back. Okay, so, Sarah, I'm dropping you off at Emily's? Yep. And Josh, you're going to? Soccer, Dad. Soccer practice. Right. Oh, by the way, I just wanted to let you know when I pick you both up, I'll be wearing my short shorts. What? No! Yep, and my dorky dad hat, and I'm going to do my dad dance for all your friends. They'll love it! Seriously? Why? Because I like my short shorts. Of course, I could be talked out of it if you guys would just buckle up your seatbelts without giving me a hard time. It's important to get your kids to buckle up for safety, no matter what it takes. And sometimes, all it takes is your parental powers of persuasion. Okay, okay, we're buckling up. See, all buckled. Good choice. I'll just have to do my dad dance at dinner time. What, what? No! Do what you have to to make sure your kids are wearing their seatbelts, even on short drives. Never give up until they buckle up. A message from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Visit safercar.gov slash kidsbuckleup for more information. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. This is a test to find out if you know it all when it comes to children. Name one of the leading killers of U.S. children age 1 to 13. What's the best way to protect children in a car crash? At what age and size should a child start using a booster seat? Don't assume you know it all when it comes to car seats for your child. Go to safercar.gov slash the right seat and know for sure. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hi, I'm Noah Gregson, and you're listening to Motorsports Madness on PMN, the Performance Motorsports Network. 
There's a driver that we have already talked about during this show, and I know uh, Noah going to be looking forward to having another shot at uh, redeeming himself for the one that he said got away at Dover when the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series gets back in action in a little more than a week at Charlotte Motor Speedway. Right now, though, we're talking about things without fenders, also known as open wheel, with our good friend Joel Sebastianelli and... We just talked about Pietro Fittipaldi, possible replacements in the Grand Prix of Indianapolis, Joel, and we can look a little bit deeper into the month now and look at the fact that even though we're questioning who will go into the 19, based on the leader circle program, because that car is running the entire season, you have to believe that some way, somehow, that 19 car is going to be filled by Dale Coyne, and we're going to end up back at 35 cars going into uh, Old Armed Forces qualifying weekend and bumping for the first time in seven years. Yes, please. I am all about this. I have been all about this, and you know what? (laughs) I'll be honest. There's uh, about, oh, I don't know, 34 cars that... uh, I, quite frankly, can't say I would be completely stunned if they ended up getting bumped because this is probably the deepest field we've had at Indy in many, 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 many moons. I would agree with that. And in past years, when we've had limited bumping, uh, I've been a little critical of it. It's why I've said I, I like having the pole day shootout for those top nine be the center of the day because Michelle Jourdain, Buddy Lazier, that doesn't make bump day the drama bump day is when you have a really deep field and you have no idea who could be bumped um the indianapolis motor speedway does not care who you are or what your past is we've seen bobby ray hall bumped on this day before we've seen the penskis bumped before emerson fittipaldi and al are both missing the race i was gonna yep. say the year that both so, penske yep. cars missed it was big Yep, that was 95. I don't know if we're going to be in for that big a surprise this year. My guess, the teams that I would be looking out for are the teams that don't have some sort of partnership with an established powerhouse. Maybe powerhouse is a little too strong, but to to clarify what I mean, uh, you'd have to think that just in this era of IndyCar, the Penske's, the Ganassi's, those guys are good, Andretti's as well, you know, Meyer Shank Racing isn't running a full season, but they're working in conjunction with Schmidt Peterson Motorsports. Yeah, right. Uderia Corsa with Oriel Servia is partnered up with Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan Racing. So if worse comes to worse, you'd have to think 430, they're going to get help from that team to do whatever they can to get those cars in the, yeah. in the show. So the teams that I put on the perspective bubble before we've even come to the Grand Prix would be, even with two talented drivers, Carlin, I'd be a little bit worried yes. about them attempting yep. to make the 500 for the first time. Yunkos is yeah, one of those Yunkos, teams that definitely. pops up to me. Yeah, buddy, yep, obviously. I, yeah, but I know Gabby Chavez, he finished in the top 10, finished ninth, but without bumping last year. Uh, I think qualified in row nine, so didn't show the fastest pace right out of the box with the new kit. Who knows? Uh, they weren't a part of that test to open up the month, although I don't think that's going to make a difference. So those are the teams that pique my interest for not being safe, although I don't think anybody is completely safe because obviously we have more than 33 good cars attempting to make a 33-car field. 
That's correct. You never really know. Uh, the Lazier car, obviously, is one that, uh, God bless, buddy, but I would be a little bit nervous if I were them. Uh, but you did mention Carlin, Joel, and Carlin has been a curious case for me since the start of the year because it just seems like they have been way, way off, despite the fact they have two solid drivers from the IndyCar ranks in Charlie Kimball and Max Chilton. I mean, neither of whom are slouches in open-wheel race cars, and both of whom have raced with Carlin in the past, but it just seems like they've not been able to find their footing and have been mired virtually at the back in every race this season. If I'm Trevor Carlin, I am nervous going into the month of May for both of my guys, not just one of them. Well, it's not an easy thing to just jump in to the IndyCar series and be good. I know when they jumped into Indy Lights, they made a splash, sweeping races at the beginning of the season with Ed Jones. But I would not be surprised if, um, you know, if they start to get better as the season rolls along. Charlie Kimball showed that that car, you know, with the right strategy on the right kind of track, can finish in the top 10. He finished 10th at Long Beach. So that was a good finish for them. And little by little, their finishes have gotten better from St. Pete to Phoenix to Long Beach. Uh, Barber, not exactly a banner weekend for them. Uh, Things kind of went backwards there. But I I think we'll see at Indy. It's going to be a real test. Phoenix, Indy, not all that comparable. But I would agree that even with Charlie Kimball and Max Chilton, Uh, Two guys who have been in the running to win this thing at the end in years past. Neither of those two are going to be safe, and there's only so much those two guys can do. Uh, It's going to be largely up to the team with the setup, even though both of those guys give fairly good feedback on the teams they've been on. Now, to move a little further ahead, uh, when you look at guys who could contend for the pole, I mean, obviously you can never count out Ed Carpenter, a two-time pole winner. James Hinchcliffe, a recent pole winner, could be in the thick of things. But there are two names that I'm looking at for completely different reasons, Joel. One of them is Robert Wickens, because he has been on fire from the word go this season, and it just absolutely would not surprise me to see him come out and fire some sort of a big shot to open the month of May if he doesn't fire one even before qualifying by perhaps contending to win the Grand Prix. But the other four obvious reasons of, uh, well, it's her last ride, Danica Patrick. And I've been asking myself since we turned to May 1st what her chances really are of contending for the pole in her final Indy 500. And you know, my brain keeps telling me don't count her out. I mean, heck, she's in the same equipment that, as I mentioned a minute ago, Carpenter went to back-to-back poles at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and she's no slouch. J.R. Hildebrand has been consistently in the hunt with Ed Carpenter racing. He's been making those fast nine shootouts. I mean, her her starting positions at Indianapolis have been really good, a fourth, tenth, eighth, fifth, tenth, uh, 05 to 09. So... I would think that, again, with the right team, could she be up there? Absolutely, she could. I'm not putting my money on it. I don't think she's my bet for the poll, but I would expect her to be inside the top 12, inside the top 10 yet again. And I forget which year it was. It was one of the years with Andretti Green where, if not for a wiggle in one and two, that car probably would have been on pole for the Indy 500. So this track suits what she does well. And I would expect her to acquit herself nicely yet again, which she has every single time she's run at the Indy 500. Well, I agree. And, of course, you know, 
Superstition would say no because she's driving a green car with a 13 on it. So, (laughs) you know, but the truth is, yeah, I think she's got a good shot at the pole for all the reasons that you guys have said. The Ed Carpenter cars have always been fast at Indy, and I see no reason why Danica shouldn't. She's never had an issue with speed. The, The issue she has is closing the deal. You know, I think as far as a candidate for the pole, she definitely is a candidate for the pole without question. All right, moving towards race day and thinking about that a little bit. Joel, I just want to get your temperature on this. I've had a gut feeling since the calendar turned to May. I've had this gut feeling even going back to the end of April because when you come into the month of May with momentum, you tend to keep it right on rolling. And two years ago, we had an American win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway And everything in me tells me it's going to happen again this year, but it's not going to be Alex Rossi. Instead, we're going to come across from the West Coast to uh, Tennessee. My gut tells me Joseph Newgarden gives the captain another Indy 500. He's just been on fire this year. Me too. Great minds think alike. I said it, Barbara, it's been the year of Joseph Newgarden. Going back to about the middle of last season, winning three or four races in a stretch, finishing first and second. All but one of the final six races of the year had what may have been the iconic moment of that season, the pass on Simon Pagano at Gateway. He's just been so good. He's won Phoenix. He's won Barber. I would think that Joseph Newgarden is the man to beat here yet again. And at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, he almost has been the man to beat before. Came awfully close to winning this race the year that Rossi won it, the 100th running in 2016. He's had some good finishes here. You know, he's good just about anywhere, yeah. Joseph Newgarden, it's not exactly going out on a limb, but I think Joseph Newgarden's the favorite heading into the 500. I've got a sneaky one for you. If you want to talk about American drivers that I honestly do believe could win the Indianapolis 500 this year. Look at the guy who's driving the car number that Alex Rossi won the Indy 500 with. And you've got Michael Andretti. And there's a guy who's feeling pretty sporty right now because the last couple of races for him have been good speed-wise. And I think they go into the Indy 500, that whole team, on, on a high. And... I do think Michael will contend here. And I got to tell you, Michael ever ended up winning the Indy 500, Jacob. I mean, you would probably hear the cheers all the way here in Charlotte. They would about turn that place inside out. Joel, I just want to note for the record that Tom's brain said Marco and his mouth said Michael. Michael again. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Wait a minute, though. Michael Andretti to the 19 confirmed. Michael. Yeah, there we go. Michael still wins if Marco wins. I mean, I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong. Who's but... driving the car is irrelevant. Michael Andretti finally gets his Indy 500 win. Well, Michael Andretti got is... one with uh... Michael's got about four of them yeah, now between just, Hunter Ray just and win Sato himself. and Frankie. Yeah. Marco is the driver that I was talking about, yes. obviously. And if Marco ever wins, I mean that's going to be a huge. And, and I think it's very plausible. Lift I actually the curse. Think... Lift and, the yes, curse. Yes, exactly. I think any of those Andretti guys are going to have a good shot. And I will include Zach Veach in that and be the guy to say that I think here again, the kid's going in on a high and Indy is not a, you know, people talk about how hard Indy is. Indy's hard in the sense that you're right on the edge, but it is not a hard track to drive per se. 
And, you know, it's the kind of a deal where I think right now those guys are all feeling pretty confident. It wouldn't surprise me if any of the Andretti cars ended up winning that race. Not at all. Michael Andretti, a co-owner for three of the last four Indianapolis 500 winners going back to 2014. Joel, always a pleasure. Wish it could be longer, but uh, we will look forward to wrapping up the month of May with you when it's all said and done and uh, very much excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And my dark horse, who I'll throw in real quick, who's sneaky good on these ovals, Ed Jones. Ed absolutely. Jones with Ganassi. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he'll be in the running I agree. as we get down to those final laps as well. Indeed. He was a year ago with Dale Coyne. We're going to step aside. We've got more Motorsports Madness coming up. You're listening to the show live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. When do you think of a plumber? Like most people, even if it's an emergency, you can be confident about who will arrive to help you. For quality and reliability, count on someone you can trust. Call on the plumbing services of Hague Quality Water of Maryland. Plumbing doesn't have to be an emergency. We handle all kinds of preventative maintenance, too. Hague Quality Water of Maryland is family-owned here in Annapolis since 1993. For a refreshing choice, call us at 888-84-WATER or visit us online. Here at Lewis Meineke, we're more than just your average car care center. Hey, it's Dave, your neighbor from Lewis Meineke. Whether you need an oil change, brakes, tires, or anything under the hood, we've got you covered. Take advantage of our free check engine light service as well. Yes, free. And don't forget about our free shuttle service. Never stress, we'll take care of the rest. On with life. Give us a call at Lewis Meineke, 302-827-2054. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. (laughs) My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. Do you love the sound of high-revving motors and the smell of burning rubber? Do you want to get your car sideways right at the ragged edge of control? If you've always wanted to try drifting or learn to improve your drifting skills, Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier motorsports facility, has the expert instructors and the specialized track to teach you how to drift and the skills necessary to drift competitively. From skid pad to open sessions, Summit Point Motorsports Park has the safe and open environment that allows drifters of all skill levels, new to intermediate, to get sideways and smoking. With a focus on safety and the skill set necessary to drift competitively, Summit Point Motorsports Park's Drift Nirvana is just the thing for you. Call for your reservation today, 304-725-8444. Or for more information, go online, summitpoint-raceway.com or you can email them at office at bsrinc.com. Drift Nirvana, getting you sideways the right way. If you own a gun, you have a full-time responsibility. When you aren't using it, be sure it can't get into the hands of curious children, troubled teenagers, a thief, or anyone else who might misuse it. Your family, friends, and neighbors are all counting on you. Remember, always lock it up. For more information on firearm storage safety, visit ncpc.org. This message brought to you by the National Crime Prevention Council, the Bureau of Justice Assistance, and the Ad Council. 
Hi, I'm Chase Cabry, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. Now, back to the show. All righty, welcome back to Motorsports Madness. Here on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network, you, if you're still with us, uh, well, we're having fun, and uh, we're going to continue talking open wheel right now. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Steve Ovens, and Cisco Scaramuza with you for about another hour's worth of motorsports conversation. Cisco, I want to go to you since we're staying with the open wheel subject for a couple more minutes because I know you want to touch on a little bit of the month of May as well. Yeah, and this actually was a topic that I got talked about during the open test on Tuesday where I was able to go down and get some uh, footage and just kind of hang out down at the Speedway for a little bit and uh the Indy, uh, Indy Stars, uh, Zach Coral was with me, and we were kind of watching, seeing what was going to happen with Danica, and went out for a lap or so, and then pulled it in. But one of the interesting topics that they were talking about was the fact that open testing this year fell on what was essentially the first week of May. And this is the first time that, you know, this has been, this has happened this way in a while, because normally these tests are scheduled way beforehand. But it just kind of worked out to where with the weather and everything being as horrible as it's been for racing just in general, the open test fell on the first week of May. And what they brought up was the fact that, well, the manufacturers aren't keen on it because, of course, they want to be testing like in March. So they have all this time to work on the car. I actually like having this open test on the beginning of May because it's a little bit of a callback back to when the month of May meant that every single day somebody out there was testing for the Indy 500 back when you could still do that without blowing a million dollars. Yes. But the point stands that I'd really like to see IndyCar pursue and have this open test session in the first week because it's, you know, I was able to go to the Speedway, drive in under the tunnel, go up to where the Hall of Fame is, and me and about, I'd say, 100 cars worth of people were all just sitting in the infield just in between turns one and two, just watching the test happen. And it's it was really cool to see because it gets people jazzed up about the race. And, you know, when you have testing in March or something like that, you're not going to have that same reaction. This feels like a great start to that whole month of May, you know, festival, if you want to call that whole 500 festival, that whole month. It seems like a great opening. I would agree. This is where the month of May is the month of May again. We had testing on May 1st, May 2nd, May 3rd to really kick things off. You've got the Grand Prix coming this weekend starting uh, 10th, 11th, 12th, and then you get into the first day of on-track activity, rookie, rookie orientation practice for the Indy 500 coming May 15th, and then it's all on from there, Cisco. So you're right. Most... Every day this month has something going on at the Speedway, which, again, is something we haven't seen in a while. Tom, we're never going to get back to where we have two full weekends of qualifying, at least not until we get a third engine manufacturer and 40 to 45 cars back at the Speedway. But you know what? The way all this works out, like Joel was talking about earlier, to have the Grand Prix in to fill in some of that time before you go into qualifying weekend, to have testing at the very beginning of the month, this does feel like the old days again, and I, for one, am a fan. Well, I'm a fan of the month of May. I've never been a, I'm not a fan of the Grand Prix because I just don't think the course is a really racy course. There, it's 
It's a very track position oriented course. There's not a ton of passing. So it's never really a great race, but I'm a fan of the month of May and I don't think we'll ever see, even if we got 50 entries, we wouldn't see two weekends of qualifying again because of the Grand Prix. So I would, would, wouldn't even be too worried about that. I would like to see, honestly, I'd like to see them work in some sort of a short track race into that. There was talk at one point of actually putting a short track Cisco inside of um, on the, on the ground somewhere there. And I think honestly, Jacob, that it would be fun to see a short track race, not a dirt track race, but a short track paved oval race with some of the open wheel type cars like super modifieds and midgets and such and make it a big week or weekend of, of racing and pay a good purse so you get the guys to travel who need to. You're never going to see a paved short track race on the grounds of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. However, coming up this summer, you will see a short track race on the grounds of Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And you know what? I'm not going to spoil the fun by telling you why right this second. Instead, we're going to go to break, and when we come back, I'll let Steve Ovens help dissect exactly why that is and why it's going to be fantastic. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, and we've got more coming live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. You own a performance car, and you know how to drive, but you want to learn real performance driving. Well, Bunky, get that car off the street and onto the track. Summit Point Motorsports Park, the Mid-Atlantic's premier road racing facility, located just over an hour from D.C. in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, is the place to go. And you'll find that Friday at the track is going to give you what you need. For less than a monthly car payment, you can attend this regularly scheduled one-day instructional event in your street car on one of Summit Point's three world-class road racing circuits. You'll receive classroom instruction, skid pad instruction in their cars, including front and rear skid control, and four 20-minute in-your-car instructional sessions from a professional instructor. Have fun, go fast, and really learn how to drive. Call 304-725-8444 for class schedules and details. That's 304-725-8444. Friday at the track at Summit Point Motorsports Park. Every 30 minutes, another innocent person is killed due to a drunk driver. My best friend. My brother. My poor grandchild. My sister. My father. My husband. My mom. <laughs> My mommy. Stop these tragedies before they happen. Don't drink and drive. The Performance Motorsports Network is a compilation of shows about motorsports. From technical to controversial to just fun, everything you like about racing and gearhead stuff is right here on one internet channel. The Performance Motorsports Network. Tell your friends about it. Hi, I'm Reed Sorensen. Racing has been a part of me and my family for as long as I can remember. I had to make tough choices early on to get to the top. It took hard work and dedication, but it's those tough choices that helped me prepare for challenges I would face as a cup driver. Make the right choices today and be ready for the challenges tomorrow. 
This message is brought to you by the U.S. Air Force. Hi, I'm Matt Tift, and you're listening to Race Talk on the Performance Motorsports Network. <laughs> Cisco's air tromboning. It's not quite dippling music, but hey, we'll go with it. Welcome back to Motorsports Madness, live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, and Dr. Dirt Steve Ovens. We're going to talk some dirt right now, and Cisco gets to help because I'm about to blow your mind, Steve. Are you ready for me to blow your mind? He's ready, and he's got his easy button just in case. uh, (laughs) Mind blown. He needs it. Mind blown? All right, here's the deal. When the USAC schedule, specifically the National Sprint Car schedule, was announced earlier in the offseason, there remained one date, July 20th, the kickoff to Indiana Sprint Week, that remained TBA, as in, we'll get to this later. Well, later is tonight because during open testing Cisco shirts surfaced with Indianapolis Motor Speedway scheduling branding all that good stuff and one of them happened to identify July 20th the kickoff to Indiana Sprint Week as the long rumored we're building a dirt track at Indianapolis Motor Speedway and doggone it we're gonna put USAC sprint cars on it and the reason I can talk about this is that this was in the news about two years ago, back when Tony was still doing his farewell tour from NASCAR. As in Stewart, by the way, for those yes, who don't as know. as in Stewart, yes. This is something that IMS did and announced with Stewart that they were going to do this back in 2016. But nothing really ever came about. We didn't hear about it for so long, but... This was announced. IMS President Doug Boyle said to Indy Star and said on Tuesday that they were going to install a 316th mile oval for Stewart's media appearance in July, on July 5th. And then they weren't planning on making it like a weekly track, but it was going to be there and they wanted to use it. And this is the perfect opportunity to do it. All righty. So, Steve. Stop and think about this for a minute. You want to blow up Indiana Sprint Week, which is one of the biggest occurrences all year for 410 non-wing sprint cars. What better way to do it than starting it off at the greatest race course in Indiana? Absolutely. I mean, doesn't that doesn't that bill write itself? I mean, that is... Well, I mean, Tom, that is marketing gold. Sure it is. is what that is. They've done sure a, is. they've done a nice job putting this together. Absolutely, it is marketing gold, and I'm really excited that that's going on. I just again, I will say, we need something like that during the month of May, and we need to bring open wheel cars to Indianapolis. And I still, again, I I would like to see a paved track there because it's only natural that you would want to have midgets sprint cars and super modifieds which are the three open wheel short track biggest cars cisco uh in the country and have an all-star format or invitational or some sort of just a big week of uh racing similar to what they would do for example at thompson connecticut or down in florida during the spring and i would argue that 
that may be a possibility because one of, as we've reported on previously with Jonathan Bird coming back to sponsor one of the cars in the 500 this year, that's also, he has a strong tie, well, a strong tie because he runs the track of the Indianapolis Speedrome, which used to host, yes, USAC races when they ran on asphalt. So there's your paved short track and it's really not that far from IMS. You know, I drove there from Butler and it was maybe 10 minutes and Butler's 10 minutes from IMS. So it's really not that far either. And considering the Speedrome just got that facelift that I reported on last year, that would be the perfect place to do something during that week. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love the Speedrome personally. It's been a little while since I've been able to be there, but I want to get back sooner or later. Now, we'll move on for a bit, by the way, to the national dirt scene uh, on the winged side, Steve-O, because, well, we had some World of Outlaws racing. And before I talk about the guy that keeps on winning things, I want to talk about the guy who won at the Salina High Banks and got on the board for the first time this season. Five of the last... Er, Sorry, four of the last seven for Casey Kane Racing and Brad Sweet wins a race? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I mean, (laughs) there were some people, uh, and I think we're referring to it in the chat panel here tonight. I mean, some people, was this guy, you know, is he still on the Casey Kane Racing team? I mean, we we hadn't uh, really seen a lot from Brad Sweet this year. So uh, it's certainly not in the victory column. So I'm, I'm... a little surprised that we're already into the month of May before we're seeing Brad put one on the board. But if you look at the last month, it shouldn't be that big of a shock because obviously Darren Pitt, obviously this whole team, not just Darren Pittman, this whole team is getting it figured out. Whatever was not right at the beginning of the year. And, and some would argue the end of last year, whatever was not right, they seem to have going in a positive direction. Uh, Darren with three wins now. Brad gets on the board to get a win for the 49 team and, and Napa Auto Parts. Um, that's huge. That's very, very big. Uh, and, and hopefully they've righted the ship here going forward. Yeah, I mean, Brad gets a win in the Twister Showdown. And before that, on Friday night at Lake Ozark Speedway in Missouri, or Missouri as we yeah. uh, on the East Coast call it, that's a six-pack for TSR and Donnie Schatz, Steve-O, they have double what anybody else has so far this season. I'm just saying. Yep. Uh, there's there's really, I mean, I'm not sure what much more we can say about this team. I mean, they are just damn good. They, I mean, these guys are going out there. I, I, I honestly think that... It is going to be so tough. I mean, we've talked this season about how we have more outlaw, dri- more um, platinum drivers on the outlaw series this year. We had a couple that we weren't sure about. We've had a couple that have started the year and dropped off. But at the end, through all of that, the one constant we have is is the the fifteen car, and mm-hmm. and they are just a juggernaut. They they. I'm not sure what it's going to take to to take these guys down this year. Uh, there's there's a lot of things that we've talked about in the past of some unknowns going forward with that team, uh, and uh, you know obviously power plant is is one of those things that we're going to be discussing uh, in the near future. But I just 
these guys, they've got it down, um, you know, between the crew chief, the driver, they are clicking on all eight right now, Jacob. And, yes, they and, are. And, and, and I say this almost in a dejected way. I can't even imagine what the competitors feel like. I, I mean, th- this guy is just there are guys like Brad Sweet that are getting wins. But every time one of these other drivers steps up and takes one away, it seems like the 15 bounces right back and gets another one. Or so two. just when these guys think they got him on the ropes, they come back and strike again. Exactly. Well, stop and consider, Steve, that Darren Pittman won three out of the last seven races, and yet he is seventh in points, 170 points back already of Donnie Schatz. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, we're going to a track that Donnie has just about owned during the month of May in the last few years. The Let's Race 2 weekend at Eldora, Steve. Oh, boy. We are coming into a couple of very interesting weekends, Jacob. You know, obviously Eldora. Uh, and, you know, when I look at Eldora, obviously Donnie has, has had a lot of success here recently. But there is something that I want to point out here. Uh, when we go to Eldora, we also talk about a guy named Shane Stewart. We do. always seems to do well at Eldora. But something that was interesting this past weekend that we saw quite a few times in 2017, and it popped up again here the other night, I don't know what it is about Shane Stewart leading races you know, he won the dash the other night, started up front on the pole for the feature, and while leading a race, took himself out of it. Um, obviously, this team has got some speed, and maybe Eldora's coming at the perfect time for those guys because, I mean, I just I don't know what it is about Shane Stewart. He, he's got some kind of hex on that two car when he's out front leading races, whether it's running into a lap car running into the wall, running into a tire that's hanging off of the wall. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, we talk about how many ways Donnie Schatz has won races. We could easily talk about how many ways Shane Stewart's given up races. Yeah, we I really mean, could. He, he is, he's about uh, gone shy of a fan throwing a hot dog on the racetrack and, and that being the cause of him not winning a race. I mean, my <laughs> goodness, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know uh, what they've got to do to break that hex, but like I said, Eldora could be the perfect place. And and then, of course, when we get done with Eldora, Jacob, they head to Williams Grove the following weekend. and Lincoln and then Williams Grove, yeah. Well, right, right, exactly. So this two-week stretch here is going to be really, really interesting uh, as we work our way through spring and Mm -hmm. start to head toward that summer schedule. That would be also known as Posse Country, by the way, uh, where the Pennsylvania regulars have been very good. But let's note that Donnie Schatz has won at least one race at Eldora Speedway with the World of Outlaws in each of the last three seasons, including a clean sweep of Let's Race 2 weekend in 2015. Steve-O. So, you know, there's all that. And while we're talking about Shane Stewart, Tom, we can also talk about uh, his team owner, Kyle Larson, who uh, 
has an addition to the family, they announced earlier this morning. Uh, he and uh, longtime uh, girlfriend Caitlin Sweet, uh, they, they have another set of little feet now. Audrey Lane, born earlier today and breaking John Hunter Nemechek's heart. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. true, because John Hunter was on standby duty for uh, the cup opportunity should Kyle Larson not be able to go this weekend at Kansas. Interesting uh, the timing on this got it right out of the way before Kansas and Charlotte. So yep. obviously uh, she has, Steve, a very good sense of timing and also a flair for the dramatic. I wonder where she gets that from. Hmm, uh, I wonder. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's in the genes. We it's can say that. It's in the genes, yes. And, and honestly, I mean, if there's anybody that uh, – if there's anybody that probably feels the heartbreak that uh, Trevor Bain will feel this coming weekend, it's John Hunter Nemerchek after, yeah. you know, what had to have gotten his his nerves on edge about that opportunity uh, if it had presented itself. So, yeah, that, that's for sure. And, and congratulations to, to Kyle and, and Caitlin and, and their whole family. That's uh, that's great. And, I, you know, what what did it for me, guys, is, is you know, all these baby announcements and, and baby arrivals. and But I'll tell you, the photo that Kyle shared out on social uh, today with Owen uh, holding his new baby sister, yes. man, that's that's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Yeah, it was. I want to give you a couple of quick bullets to chew on in about 30 seconds apiece, Steve, before we go to break. Uh, Saturday night's Lucas Oil Late Bottle Dirt Series race at Florence Speedway rained out, but they did get the show in Friday night in Tazewell, Tennessee. The Toyota Knoxville 50. Jimmy Owens dominates, 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 dominates. Three laps to go. Oops, we're broken. And Superman Jonathan Davenport gets the win. Yeah, boy, Jimmy Owens needed that one. He really did. I mean, here's a guy who, you know, had that series, you know, uh, uh, at a stranglehold. And, you know, as the competition level has gone up, as the the quality of drivers in the series has gone up, we've seen a little bit of a, a decline in in the results that we're used to seeing for Jimmy Owens and and I was heartbroken for him the other night I was too now on the flip side of the uh, heartbreak coin if you go over to the all-star circuit of champions we had a uh, I won't call him a surprise winner anymore after picking up his first win with the world of outlaws during the West coast swing. What does Aaron Reitzel do, Steve? He comes back and he wins the inaugural Buckeye cup at Sharon speedway, otherwise known as Dave Blaney country to win his first all-star feature of two of 2018 and of his career. This was a huge deal. It was, and Jacob, I think Reitzel had a hundred thousand or a hundred thousand reasons as to why he might have been a little bit motivated. Ah, just uh, maybe missing out on that whole hundred thousand dollar check at, <laughs> at Mansfield may have motivated him just a little bit. I think so. Not that a guy of Aaron Reitzel's stature needs motivation, but uh, my goodness, uh, after after the heartbreak there uh, with with Tim Schaefer, uh, oh. 
I I feel bad for the field that uh, writes a lead to compete against yeah. the other night because there's a guy that came in laser focused. Yes, he did. We're going to step aside when we return. Well, I couldn't quite tell you what we're going to get into, but I can tell you we're going to enjoy it. You're listening to Motorsports Madness. We got a half hour left and we'll be back right after this live on Spreaker and the Performance Motorsports Network. Parents, your son or daughter has had their license for a while now, but you want to make sure they're prepared for any situation they may face on the road. High school driver's ed doesn't teach them to drive defensively. They need to be prepared for any highway emergency. For less than a month's insurance, and a whole lot less, BSR instructors at Summit Point Motorsports Park in nearby Summit Point, West Virginia, will teach your son or daughter how to respond instantly and positively to unexpected situations on the road. BSR's specialized accident avoidance training teaches swerve to avoid maneuvers at highway speed, ocular driving, which focuses driving attention on ways to avoid accidents, vehicle dynamics and feedback, skid control, and skid recovery, threshold braking on straights and progressive braking on curves, and off-road recovery techniques. This is stuff driver's ed simply doesn't teach. So call BSR today, 304-725-8444. Give your kid the skill set needed to drive safely and responsibly on the highway. That's 304-725-8444. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes. On Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. HMS Motorsport is the leader in motorsport safety. HMS serves the majority of Monster Energy NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, Camping World Truck, IndyCar, and IMSA WeatherTech teams, as well as countless SCCA and club-level racers and driving enthusiasts throughout North America. Featuring world-renowned brands like Schubert Helmets, Schroep Belts, Adidas Suits and Shoes, Lifeline Fire Systems, and even Racecom Radio Kits, HMS has the right product for your type of racing and your budget. Their representatives are experts on only one thing, making your track driving as safe as possible. With locations in Mooresville, North Carolina and Danvers, Massachusetts, the HMS staff is always ready to take the time to help you find the right product for your safety needs. Don't settle for second when it comes to motorsport safety. Stop in to HMS Motorsport. Visit them on their website at hmsmotorsport.com or send them a message on Facebook and tell them the folks from PMN Radio sent you. Hi, this is John Andrasik of Five for Fighting, here for RAD the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You know, style is a personal thing, and your lifestyle is your business. But if you take it on the road, it becomes everybody's business. So please, plan ahead, designate before you celebrate. Friends, don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Modified driver Matt Hirschman, you're listening to Motorsports Madness on the Performance Motorsports Network. Welcome back to the Madness here on PMN and on Spreaker. Jacob Seelman alongside Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens as we talk all things racing of uh, one form or another. And let's see, we've been through NASCAR, IndyCar, Dirt. 
Straight liners, Tom, because they were at Atlanta over the weekend, and, well, girl power. That's how we're going to start this, because girl power swept the Nitro classes over the weekend, and it was great to see. How about that for Leah Pritchett scoring the first win for Don Schumacher Racing in top fuel this season, and for Courtney Force to win on the 10th anniversary of her sister Ashley's first win in NHRA Funny Car at the same racetrack? That's storybook. It is Hollywood indeed, and highly appropriate, actually, I think. (laughs) Considering the season that the Forrest family has had up to this point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, gosh, a little bit of good luck for a change. Yeah, that's an understatement. Uh, It's not been a great season for the entirety of John Force Racing, save for Courtney and Brittany, who between them now have three wins this season. Brittany picked up a win at Houston a few weeks ago, and Courtney's now got a pair on 2018. She doesn't have the points lead yet, I don't think, but she's closing in on it. Yeah, you know, I I saw something on Twitter earlier, and I can't remember who, which of the drag racing, it might have been Caps, um, talking about the ladies in the NHRA and winning and competing and all of that, and basically made the point that for many years now, the NHRA has just sort of considered that normal, Cisco. I mean, it's not, nobody attaches anything to male, female over there, it they're all just racers. It's kind of normal. You have a lot of very talented lady racers, and it's always cool to see one or more of them get a win on a weekend. It absolutely is. And another and the guy who got the week the win that weekend is the guy we said had basically made no noise uh last time out. And it was Eddie Craywick showing up decided oh okay guys you you said i didn't do anything last week so now i'm gonna show up and win the whole darn thing yeah that's pretty much how that happened isn't it cisco uh we we tend to piss people off on here and then they go out and win yeah and uh craywick did that but yeah absolutely fantastic job by lee and courtney and uh no i i totally agree it's a fact where they don't they don't worry about it because they're fast and they win races so there you go it's that's that's a non-talking point tom this just did. Antron Brown just texted me and said, if that's the case, do me a favor and piss me off, will you? <laughs> He's been on a bit of a schneid. Not just him. Tony Schumacher, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Sarge yeah. has not been great. They have struggled. Uh, and, and how about Vincent Nobile, too, ending the string yes. of different winners in yeah, pro stock? Sure. I, I, you know, if I was going to pick a guy to be the first repeat winner of the year, Vincent was not top of that list at all all any of the kb cars or maybe even erica but not vincent yeah i know that's that's very true um again you just never know anymore in the nhra who's gonna win from weekend to weekend so much depth in all of the classes really and it's great to see the variety that we get from week to week and the stories that get developed um whether it was uh Ashley's recent win or Brittany's win or, you know, it's it's really cool to see from weekend to weekend different winners in the different divisions and somebody like a Craywick comes out of nowhere and reminds us that he's still there. But again, I think that speaks to the level of competition that we have now in that series and great personalities. too. Well, I, I loved, by the way, Cisco, the comment that Greg Anderson made 
on Sunday afternoon where, especially in the pro stock class, this is a game of thousands and in some cases ten thousandths nowadays to get the job done because in all of these classes, the competition is so tightly packed, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I actually sat down with my roommate and kind of walked him through the basics, and we watched a little bit of the highlights from uh, ZMAX uh, the week prior, and I was explaining to him just, you know, what's going on, and he was just astonished at not only the speeds that they were achieving, but just how close the competition is and the fact that, you know, it's coming down. I really still like the fact that this is you can go out there and still win a whole shot victory. There's still very much a driver aspect to this. It's not just whoever has more power. If you're right. on the button, you're going to win that race, Jacob. Yes, you really are, Tom. And I just I'm intrigued, I think, going forward into the rest of the season, especially with how rough a start to the year Don Schumacher Racing has had. This largely has been the year of the independence when you consider that Steve Torrance is leading the way in yeah. top fuel. You had uh, Cruz Pedregon recently pick up the win at the Four Wide Nationals in Funny Car. I mean, this is this is one of those deals where it really is anybody's game nowadays and i love it well cisco hit it i think right on the head you you have a driving aspect to this where the technology hasn't really changed that true you can win or lose a race you know at the tree and so it's really still the same racing that it was 20 30 40 years ago Yes, the cars have gotten more expensive. Yes, the technology has certainly come into the sport, but there's an aspect to it. I mean, you got three seconds, basically, yeah. is what you got. So that's what makes it so much fun because, Cisco, you just never know when somebody's either going to make a big mistake or hit the perfect hole shot and pull out a win, even if they're not necessarily the fastest car. Or they'll hit a perfect hole shot and the engine will blow up, you know, a second and a half into exactly. the run as well. Right. I mean, yeah. you just the ba- never know. The, what I love about drag racing is the fact that even beyond the the sport itself, the fact that you could go to your local drag strip and it's the same deal yeah. there. You know, yes, it's different cars, sure. but the racing isn't different. It's the exact same, and it makes it so much easier for people to get involved. You know, even even for those, you know. High school students who may or may not, you know, go to go up to the set of red lights and see the guy in the Camaro next to them and say, oh, well, not, you know, allegedly, you know, might might look at the light and try and time it on the other guy. And because of that, the common fan still identifies Jacob with the sport. You haven't lost any of the fan base that you had 10, 20, 30 years ago by saying, well, technology, this or whatever. It's still the same sport, and as Cisco said, you can still go do it at the local drag strip on the weekend yourself. And okay, you may not be going 300 miles an hour or whatever, but it's that same appreciation for the car and the motor and how yeah. to how to be faster than the guy next to you and get a better hole shot than the guy next to you. It's still the same pure sport, which I love. It hasn't been corrupted by anything, really, Steve. I love the discussion you guys are having here, and I wanted to point out that somebody here in the southern tier of New York didn't get it home as quickly as they could have because they were not very good on the light. So, I, I, you know, <laughs> you're, talking, you're talking about people 
that connect with a sport and and at a very basic level like Cisco was talking about. Yeah, I mean, how many did, times have you rolled up to a street light and done that? Didn't get I mean, you. Didn't get you a good hole shot, huh, Steve? Oh no, I did. They didn't. They oh. were asleep at the wheel. I see. They okay. were asleep at the wheel. All right, I want to add, by the way, I uh, may have spread fake news a couple minutes ago during this Oh, no! I know, right? So, Courtney Force actually, with her final round win at Atlanta over the weekend, did take over the points lead by eight points over Jack Beckman. Now, stop and consider in Funny Car. Courtney Force leads the points and, I believe, becomes the first female since her sister Ashley to lead the Funny Car points. She's got three DSR funny cars behind her in Jack Beckman, Matt Hagen, and Tommy Johnson, all within 110 points. Um, can you say this is going to be exciting? I mean, yes, it's been the year of the independence, but we have to remember we're living in a forced world. Yes, yes, we are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. May the 4th be with you. <laughs> that was three As days John ago. John would like to point out that we are living in a forced world basically yeah. every weekend. Yeah, exactly. something like that. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, the lightning round, and uh, you never know exactly where that's going to go. But it'll be fun. You're listening to Motorsports Madness, the white flag, after this on the Performance Motorsports Network and on Spreaker. How to be a great dad in 15 seconds. Bike ride, go fish, walk in the park, phone call, milkshake, play catch, picnic, fly a kite, tell jokes, laugh, talk, read a story, tell a story, bumper car, swing set, bowling, pillow fight, cut loose, stay tight. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Automotive technicians and auto service trainees, how would you like to work at the beach and perform for one of the best car care centers in the nation? Lewis Meineke is now looking for skilled automotive technicians to join their award-winning team. If you're a gearhead that knows his or her stuff or a young up-and-comer that has the motivation and drive to succeed, then you need to make this call today. 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center, located in beautiful Lewis, Delaware, offers a highly competitive compensation plan, great benefits, a flexible schedule, and did we mention that you're going to be working at the beach? Plus, there's a signing bonus for the right candidates. Technicians must be ASE certified and have a minimum of six years' experience. Beginners advance at your own pace in one of several entry-level positions. But whatever you do, don't wait. These jobs will go fast. Call Tim at 302-827-2054. That's 302-827-2054. Lewis Meineke Car Care Center. Rev up your career. You hear that? That's the sound of America's only sports car. That's right. It's a Corvette. But not just any Corvette. It's your Corvette. It's that who cares if there's traffic part of your day. And this can be you when you come to Cooper Corvettes. With 60 years of Corvettes to choose from, there's always a Corvette in your budget. And they'll service any Corvette you bring in. Cooper Corvettes on Route 1 just north of Quantico and Triangle. Call, click, or visit coopercorvettes.com. How to deal with someone who says that's so gay. Outsmart them. This party is, like, so gay. Totally. Excuse me, but did you ladies know the word gay used to mean happy or excited? Then it became a word used to describe gay people. Then somehow it came to mean dumb or stupid, which is how you just used it, which is not very nice. Ew, that guy is on the football team and super smart, and he totally hates us now. Totally. When you say that's so gay, do you realize what you say? Knock it off. Learn more at thinkbeforeyouspeak.com. 
Hi, I'm Cole Custer, and you're listening to the Performance Motorsports Network, the voice of motorsports. We're back. It's our lightning round here on Motorsports Madness. Jacob Seelman, Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Cisco Scaramuza, and Steve Ovens as we go into our final segment of the show. And because it's my show and I decided I can, why not? We're going to go black checkered for the first part of this lightning round. And you know what? Because I'm that guy and I like to shake things up, I'm going to say the order tonight is Cisco, Steve, Chris, and then Tom, because Tom usually takes forever to think, so I'm relegating you to last. Just Save saying. the best for last. Go for it. Okay, black checkered, Cisco, and it can be from my, anything. My black flag is going to go to the drive shaft on the 18 car over the weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that got, because that got Kyle's I'm trying black to continue too. my streak of giving flags to inanimate objects. <laughs> Yep. Which is, it's interesting because Kyle Busch on MRN over the weekend talked about the fact that he knew what the issue was, and he said we hadn't had the issue in a few years, and honestly didn't understand why it was an issue in the first place. I would assume it was maybe unbalanced in some way, shape, or form, or something like that. But either way, drive shaft comes off, Kyle Busch blows up, and uh, is once again not happy, as he found out also. So it was, it was a long weekend for KBM, more on that on Thursday. Yeah, um, my checkered flag is going to have to go to the guy that we talked about earlier in the show, Daniel Suarez. Awesome run, bud. The 19 car. We've been looking to see that car up front for a while now, and Suarez did a bang up job. Awesome job to him. Yes, he did, Steve. I'm going to say black flag is going to go to Mother Nature because I really would have loved to seen uh, Clint Boyer's reaction if that had race had rained out. <laughs> oh, so oh, you're yeah. wait, you're black flagging Mother Nature because the rain went away. Yeah, yeah, I am. I am. <laughs> you well, know, I, you can't you get Clint it right, Boyer. Mother Nature. You just can't get it right. But uh, my <laughs> my checkered first. flag, my checkered flag, and yes, go ahead, go ahead, mark the date, mark the time. My checkered flag's going to a Hendrick Motorsports driver. Z-O-M-G. It's going to William Byron. Really? That, that kid showed me something when he was fighting. Uh, Jacob, you'll have to remind me if this was the last car on the lead lap or the car that would get the free pass. That part slips from my mind here as, as we're talking about it. But William Byron showed me something. Uh, he was battling, I believe, Eric Jones super, super hard. For uh, for for that one, so. I, I I believe it was for the lucky dog, which he eventually yes. got. Yep, he did, and, and I think that uh, he did a great job. Uh, and you know, hey, these these guys are making progress. I, I will give them that. Um, maybe not as quick as I'd like to see it, but they are making progress. Yeah, I'm, I I agree. Cisco, you have a stat question on the topic of what Steve was talking about. When was the last time Boyer won two races in one year? That Off would the be top of your head. the last time he won before 2018, which would have been 2012 okay. yeah, with MWR. Yeah, Waltrip. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so that would have that would have been nuts. He yeah, won three. He won three races that year. Poison Ivy, Cisco. <laughs> no, that was 13. I think <laughs> that was that was the year oh, later. Yeah, that, was that was 13. 13. Yeah. <sighs> All right, <laughs> Chris. <laughs> uh, my black flag will probably go to Bubba Wallace Jr. Uh, just because they're they're hit and miss every week, they're 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 running good uh, one week and then they're you know outside the top twenty in another. They need to. Well, how is that Bubba's fault? 
Wouldn't you black flag RPM? What? Instead of Bubba? Are you saying it's Bubba's fault that they're... Inconsistent? Inconsistent? Uh, no, but I, I'm just saying that whole team as an oh, organization right. needs a good run in a, in a really bad way. He's or, putting Bubba out in front of it. Or a, or a consistent run in a, really, in a really bad way. My checkered flag would have to go to the guy he replaced, uh, Eric Amarola, in the 10 car. He's just been knocking away top 10 finishes, and it goes uh, or uh, around top 10 finishes. It goes back to what we said about Stuart Haas. They've just been on a roll, and it, it, it's just nice to see coming up on a year since he's had that terrible back injury, just to see him bounce back and have a great run like he has been this season. It's just awesome to see for, for Eric. Okay, you heard it here first. If Eric is going to get redemption, he wins Kansas Saturday night. Just saying. Tom? And who was the first to say that on this program? Steve, you were, actually. <laughs> okay, the guy with the easy button. All right. Um, gosh, I've been thinking about the black flag, and I'll I'll be honest. I can't really think of anybody or any inanimate object that I would particularly like to black flag from the racing over the weekend. So I'm going to instead give a hard luck award, which is not the same as a black flag. It's a it's a gentler thing. And I'm going to give it to the Wood Brothers and Paul Menard because I thought Paul actually was going to have a chance to finish really well. And then poor Twitterless Paul Menard had, I think it was a wheel issue and ended up Yeah, in the they broke a wheel hub, I yeah. believe. You've been a really big critic of Paul Menard. In the, not the, a critic, just not buying Paul Menard in the 21 in terms of as good as Blaney is doing with it. And I think this was one opportunity that he had to, to do that. Um, so I feel bad for them because just not been a lot of luck there. No. Now, for my checkered flag, this is going to be the moment when Steve just like blows up his easy button, but I'm, I'm going for it anyway. My checkered flag goes to a Hendrick Motorsports driver. And believe it or not, I'm giving it to Jimmy Johnson. Wow. And it has, now this has zero to do with the performance on the racetrack. Cause I mean, he was really not that great. And I think we have now come to a point where we can conclusively prove that Hendrick Motorsports, at this point, and particularly the 48 team, has a lot of work to do. My checkered flag goes to Jimmy Johnson, and I'll share Chad Knauss in this for the best exchange on the radio because Chad Knauss came on the radio at one point, I think just at the start of the last stage, and was trying to just give Jimmy Johnson a little bit of a, a heads up about a driver who was really working well on the bottom. And he said, he's running really well, right on the white line. It really well, right on the white line. And Jimmy's response was classic w without missing the beat. Jimmy says, well, that that's must be really low because there is no white line to which there was a moment of silence and Chad comes back and says, so noted, let's just say he was running really low. So it's nice that Jimmy Johnson has not lost his sense of humor despite the fact that he struggled to be in the top five at a track where he's won 11 times. That 48 team is really 
in trouble at this point. It's not just the 48. Hendrick Motorsports as a whole, and that's where my black flag goes here because as an organization, even though they're making incremental signs of progress, you're right, 11 races in, they all need to be hitting the panic button at this point, and... I I don't agree with that. I'll be honest. I don't know what you do to fix it, quite frankly. Um, Because (laughs) Austin Dillon hit the nail on the head on Periscope. Chevrolet has a ton of catching up to do. We sucked. That's a direct quote from Austin Dillon, and that goes to most of the Bowtie Brigade. When Jimmy Johnson, who's an 11-time winner at Dover, can't do any better than ninth with that race car that, again, (laughs) has done a lot of things at that racetrack, you know you've got a problem. So my black flag goes to Hendrick Motorsports, but it could just as easily go to Chevrolet as a whole because that was just bad. That was just really, 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 really bad. My checkered flag, however, goes to the flip side of the organizational coin, Stuart Haas Racing, which now has five wins in the first 11 races and... I'm just going to say it. If they don't put all four cars in the playoffs, I'm going to be disappointed. I'm going to be disappointed, Chris. Wasn't there a stat on Fox that said they had only ran, uh, won three races total last year, and now they're at five in, yes. the, in the middle of the season? Yeah. That's correct. Yep. And I believe all three of those races were Kevin. No, sorry. Two of those three. Were, sorry. I lied. Two of those three were Kevin Harvick. The other was Kurt Busch. Clint Moyer's throwing a beer at the radio as we <laughs> yeah. All right, so one more lightning round thought that I have here, and we can go back around the table on this again. Kevin Harvick did something that hasn't been done in 11 years on Sunday. He has now won four of the first 11 races of the season. The last driver to do that was Jimmy Johnson in 2007. We all know what happened after that. Are you buying or selling that Kevin Harvick will win the championship this year? And I'm making, I'm saying that's a bold prediction. Are you buying or selling he wins the title this year, Tom? I'm doing neither at this point. I'm standing pat. We're not even halfway through the season yet. And I'll just remind you that we did not have a playoff in 2007 in this current format. I was going to say, so we had a 10-race We had a chase. chase. We could have a playoff. Well, not in this format. So, I no, I'm, I'm doing neither. We didn't have point. an elimination playoff. Right. We not had, in this we had format. Playoffs, Don't just argue not with me. Not in playoffs. this format. It's too easy to lose the championship on one bad race now, which, by the way, in my opinion, is how it ought to be. So, no, I'm doing neither. But all you have to do is win and you advance. Murdoch. Do we forget of a certain 18 car, Kyle Busch, who already has three wins this season as well? Kevin Harvick only has one more than him. It's still pretty tight for Good the championship. Point. I'm just saying the last time somebody won four of the first 11, they won the championship. That was the basis here. Steve. I understand. Kevin Harvick will win the championship. And, you know, to go back to your Jimmy Johnson thing, I think 2018 is a write-off season for Hendrick Motorsports. Oof. Oof. You're probably And, to- and right. Tom, I know we're not halfway through the year yet, but I think 2018 is a write-off at this point. Oof. Well, Cisco. I'm not disagreeing with that. 
I I am absolutely buying the fact Harvick's going to be a championship contender, and because I can't wait, hold no, 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 hold on, time out. Now you got to address the question as it was asked: Is he going to win? Are you buying and selling? He's going to win, not just contend. You know what? Based on how Ford and SHR going to have been this year, yes. I am buying okay. the fact that he's going to win the championship. <laughs> and as a preview for Thursday's show, I'm stealing Tom's black flag and I'm giving it to Rafael Lasar because I can't hold it in anymore. If you want to hear more about that, listen in on Thursday. Yeah, there wow. was a thing. Not sharing it with Brandon Setzer. Cisco and I will have some debate at some point. Oh, well, all one. three have a debate. Oh, I was in no, the middle I, of it. Yeah, okay. That's going to be a fight on Thursday then. <laughs> Tune in for that one. Break it up, guys. Break it up. We got to get out of here. So I, I, I got to stop you before I have to just cut you off mid-sentence with my mute button. Sorry. But, yes, there will be more conversation on that coming up on the Performance Motorsports Network and Spreaker. But right now, we have to hightail it right on out of here. But we will be back next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern for more of this craziness that we call Motorsports Madness on Spreaker and on the Performance Motorsports Network. We want to thank Bob Steele, Sue Mason, and all the folks at PMN that helped to keep us on the air and make this show possible. And, well, remind you that if you don't get a chance to catch us live, you can always go to uh, the Race Chaser Radio search term, either Spreaker, iTunes, all, all, all them there, good things, anywhere you want to listen to your podcast, Tom, you can go find us and listen to us later. That's correct. So we're going to say uh, goodnight, Gracie, for Tom Baker, Chris Murdoch, Steve Ovens, Cisco Scaramuza. I'm Jacob Seelman reminding you to keep it off the wall, and if you're headed to a racetrack somewhere... Well, we might just see you there, folks, till we meet again. You've been listening to Motorsports Madness with the Race Chaser Online crew. Stay tuned to Performance Motorsports Network for more race talk. For the latest motorsports news, visit racechaseronline.com. Motorsports Madness is a copyrighted production of the Performance Motorsports Network, www.performancemotorsportsnetwork.com. A member of the Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated and may not be rebroadcast, replicated, or saved in any media without the explicit written permission of PMN. Check out our Facebook page or our section in the PMN website. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the host, co-hosts, and guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the management and ownership of either the Performance Motorsports Network or Scorpion Radio Group Incorporated, the advertisers, or the marketing partners. Be listening again next week when the madness returns on Monday night at 7 Eastern. Until then, keep it off the wall and keep the shiny side up.